This episode of The Luminaries on Deep in the Weeds is proudly supported by Deputy, rostering and timesheets without the usual chaos. People, when they think of our restaurants, you know, they're thinking about quality food and a really good beverage offering and friendly and pretty relaxed, informal service. And now as we sort of, you know, as we grow, that is that is basically the, the DNA of our, of our restaurant group, are those, those, those features. This is The Luminaries on the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. The conversation on wine in Australia has changed exponentially over the last decade or so. It's not only changed the way we perceive great drinking experiences, but it's changed the dining experience too. Food and wine matches can, in the hands of the right people, become greater than the sum of their parts. How has that conversation evolved and where is wine in the restaurant setting headed? Nick Hildebrandt is the co-owner of the Bentley Group. Nick, how are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. You've been heavily influential in the direction that wine has gone in restaurant settings in Australia. How much has wine in restaurants changed over the last decade? Oh, like you wouldn't believe, yeah. When I was first starting my career, it was... Yeah, it was it was very different to what it is today, uh, and it was yeah much more limited choice, uh, and you know today is is yeah really really different. It's uh it's been you know quite eye opening, but you know different different eras, different times, different you know winemaking, winemakers, influences, fashion. You know it's all it's all combined to to change it, and um, you know where we are today. I think it's great where we were, you know, 20 years ago when I first started. That was, you know, that was interesting as well. You know, there was obviously wine was a lot cheaper then, a lot more bang for your buck, a lot uh, a lot of better value, I guess, whereas now it's, uh, you know, it's becoming wine is, is you know, I guess it's always been, uh, for, you know, like a commodity in a way, Um uh, but, um, but, but yeah, you know, now some wines, you know, you're looking at, Ten thousand dollars bottle cost, and you know, and it's uh, you know, some of those wines are, be, are becoming sort of for for the elite, which is you know, it has become a little bit elitist, which is you know, that's not not great to see. But I guess I guess sort of going back all the all the way to the beginning, it was you know, I guess wine has sort of always been um, a thing that that sort of you know well-off people have, have have drunk um you know like it or hate it but that's 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 the way it is but um you know there's no reason why you know we can't we can't change that and that that's sort of the the role of you know sommeliers and and wine journalists and and, and writers to to you know open it up to to different audiences and to give you know a, a greater variety of people um a, t- a taste of wine and, and a love of wine, and not just just make it, you know, for the for the for the sort of the rich and the powerful, because that's you know that that's not how it should be. One of the hallmarks of your career is the fact that you started conversations about wine for people. You opened up new doors for them. You sent them on new paths. Um, what was what was it like in the early days of of Bentley um, when Brent was doing his sort of wild things in the kitchen and you were sort of presenting some pretty wild things in bottles in the in the front of house um trying to trying to start that conversation do you have any stories from them 
Yeah, look, I guess we, yeah, we, we um, when we opened Bentley originally, the wine list was pretty alternate. It was, you know, a lot of imported wines, which there was a bit of backlash towards, uh, but it wasn't that <clears throat> we had a problem with Australian wines. It was just that there was a lot of in- interesting wines from overseas, which we thought were good with the food and which we were inspired by. And they were a little bit left to centre, and that's, you know, how we always position Bentley. We want it to be an experience where you, you went um, into a restaurant, into a into a into a, a hospitality venue, and you could not get it anywhere else. And you could not get it at home. It couldn't be something. Couldn't be. It couldn't be a dish that you could easily cook at home, and it, and it couldn't be a wine that you could easily buy. You couldn't go up to your local vintage sellers and buy it. So we were trying to position ourselves as doing, um, you know modern interesting food uh and 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 wines to match <clears throat> and you know it was a, the whole thing about hospitality and restaurants it is it is an escape from you you know from your from your general life isn't it you, you know it's like going to a movie you're going into when you're going into a restaurant you're you, you're not necessarily trying to escape it. It's a, it's a different experience, and, and it's not one that you wouldn't normally have. So that was that was the reasoning. And you know, we did we did have a lot of interesting, unusual wines. But like Brent with food, it was you know the the wine for me for my palate anyway never got on the on the wine list unless it was delicious. And you know, I, I think I think Brent had a similar philosophy with the food. And even even if it, we know he's experimenting with gels and foams and. All that sort of, all that molecular sort of <clears throat> carry on. As long as the, as long as the, as long as the dish tasted delicious and you know you you, you could eat it, it was it didn't really matter. And uh, that's always been my philosophy with wine. Um, I you know I don't particularly care you know um, who makes it, how it's made, um, where it's made, you know what the label looks like, how it's how what the closure looks like. As long as it's it's delicious and it has a you know has a has a a bit of a, a bit of a story behind it. Then you know I'm likely to buy it, and you know I'm looking for um, wines that um, you know are delicious, but also sometimes they may challenge me. So you know back back in the day that was yeah it was um, a lot of people it was it was eye opening, but at the same time I think we were on the sort of the cusp of a wave back then, especially with wine, and you know when we opened up Bentley. Like natural, nat- the natural wine movement hadn't really started in Australia. It had been going in France and Europe for a while, um, and we sort of we were sort of one of the first early adopters to get what was termed natural wine into our wine lists. And you know, the, you, we could feel that the whole movement was starting, and and we were sort of, a, I guess, a sort of a key player early on, and we, we sort of brought it into the mainstream. And that's you know that was sort of a, we felt like that was one of our roles to to do that as well. Um, so yeah, and then and then you know and now and now you look at where things are now and you know that the one that we started with it with it Bentley's you know is is fairly you know there's a lot of wine lists around town that sort of look very similar to that. But back in the day, we were the only one with with a wine list which resembled anything like that. So um, you know yeah, it's, it's 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 come a long way, it really has. Tell us about those early days. You were both really challenging uh, people's perceptions and the realms, but it was a Bentley was a, a really um, casual, accommodating space. It was very welcoming. There was no tablecloths. It was it was it was the start of something new for Sydney and Australia. 
Um, what, what was the adversities of the early days of trying to get that across, but uh, but also be viable? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was challenging. It was, it was, you know, we always said it was fine dining. It was a fine dining food and wine experience with fine dining service, but without all the fine dining um, bits and pieces you get, like tablecloths and, yeah, you know, the, the, the fussy service and, and you know, the, the high prices to an extent as well. So, you know, it was it was interesting because the other thing which was a challenge for us is we were in a, an old pub and, you know, so some people were thinking it was a pub as well. <laughs> and they were coming in and going, what is this food and where is – where is can I just get a schooner of VB and you know can I go to schnitt, Schnitty and and it was like no you can't have any can I just have a drink can't you a bar and it was yeah it was it was it took us it took a while for us to you know get um, get our reputation I guess and and for people to sort of understand what we were trying to achieve because it was at the time it was pretty new for um, for, for Sydney and that you know the the casual that casual fine dining um, but you know I, th- I think you know there were sort of a few other restaurants doing similar things at the, at the time and that sort of became you know the you know the new normal I guess. The Bentley became the foundation for the many restaurants that you have now. Was was there a key moment when you and Brent realised that you could build a group and and build on the reputation that Bentley was was receiving? Um, no, not really. It's always it's, it sort of came this, this. You know, we've got five restaurants now, and um, you know, it was it was pretty organic. I mean, we spoke in the early days. About uh, opening other venues, but Bentley was all encompassing and time-consuming, and like uh, every 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 percentage of our energy and, and and passion went into into Bentley, and it gave us very little time to do anything else. So it actually did take us quite a while to open something else. We opened in two thousand six Bentley, and then we opened Monopole in uh, two thousand and twelve. So it took us took us six years. And then yellow, not long after, and serious, not long after that. So, you know, we're into we're sort of fifteen years old now, and we've we've got five restaurants. But it, you know, yeah, it was it, going back to the question. It was, yeah, it it, it is. This sort of feels easier now. Like the, to open the second restaurant was a was a was a big thing, and the third was a big thing. And it, you know, you, we sort of you sort of now now we now we sort of have a you know the Bentley Group is a. Is like a it's like a brand and it's it's a sort of foundation for for us and it, all the restaurants have a reputation but the, you know they're all aligned um, to our to our group and you know it, I would like to think that people think about it as a you know people when they think of our restaurants you know they're thinking about you know quality food and you know a, a, a really good beverage offering and you know friendly. Friendly and um, pretty relaxed, informal service. So that's you know that I guess that's the blueprint of what we've tried to achieve. And now and now, as we sort of you know as we grow, that is that is basically you know our the the DNA of our of our restaurant group are those 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 features. Food and wine matching uh, 
is is something that the Bentley Group is renowned for, your ability to um, partner with the creativity of Brent Savage. Um, has there been any times when that's been really difficult to to find the right uh, wine to match with his food? No, no. His food is, you know, I think his food's pretty pretty generous and pretty pretty good to match with with wine. It is not – I mean, there have been occasions with, you know, there was a – back in the day there was a anchovy dish, which you probably would remember. It was a white anchovy with pistachio praline. So you had, you know, one of the most acidic vinegary things you could ever, you know, put in your mouth and then you cover it in pistachios and which and a, and a praline. So it was, it's savoury, salt and salty and sweet. That was probably challenging me, you know, that was the best thing. That was just a cold beer, and <clears throat> that was it. Was pretty simple. So you know, it's not always it's not always Venice, you, you know. And you know, fortunately, there's there's so many more options out there. Like back in the day when we first started, you know, it was it was you're just trying to match it to wine. But now you can match it to beer, and you know, there's some amazing sake being brought into the country. And there's you know, there's non-alcoholic beverages and you know, cocktails. So you know, there is there really is no limitation um and you know you can match match sort of any dish with anything really and um that's part of the fun with you know when we're generally speaking when we try to match a dish um a new dish with a with a with a with a new wine we'll generally get the dish and we'll have you know four or five different options not all of them wine but and then when we we, in our head we sort of think we know which one's going to work and then um Quite often we're wrong, and you know, so that's you know that's how you, you go about um, doing a match. You mentioned that the second restaurant and the third restaurant were hard to open as you started to build the group. Well, what were some of the the failures and lessons that you learnt in the early days when you opened uh, Monopole and Yellow? Um, I guess you know once you go from being a, a small restaurant where it's owner operated um and growing growing to two three four you realize that you can't be there all of the time which is back in the the day of bentley myself and brent were on every single service so you know if anything went wrong it was you know it was completely down to us um but as as we grew um you know you can't be there every service so you you have to um, empower managers and and staff to run it for you, and essentially they become, you know, the representatives of of not only the company but of yourselves. And so, if you've got a if you've got a, a rude waiter or or, or or you know a chef doing the wrong thing, it sort of it sort of becomes, um, you know, it represents what you are. And so that. Back in the day, some of those some of those things would happen, and it was you know <clears throat> some of the challenges we had um, were not having you know the right person at the right place. Um, but it, it, you know, it's, it, it, so the challenge really is about about getting good people and um, empowering them and <clears throat> motivating them, and you know, getting them to feel a, a sense of ownership of um, of the business that they're um, they're operating when we're not there. Has it been difficult for you to relinquish and let go and not be there all the time? Ah, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. In the in the early days, yeah, it was. You know, you did have um, you wanted to be there, and you'd have a reg- you'd have a regular in there, but you were at another restaurant and so on and so forth. So, and you know, like I guess anyone who owns owns their own business has to a degree 
a bit of a control freak. Um, so yeah, sometimes not everything um, went the way you want it to, but you know you just have to have to sort of let go of those those emotions, I guess, and um, and trust and trust the people that you do, do, uh, are working there are doing the right job, and. Um, ultimately, you, you know, the you need to give people direction and 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 motivate them and and you know if if there's a if there is a problem, we need to address it and change it. The Bentley Group is known for five very different offerings. Tell us about when you create a concept and create a new restaurant. Are you mindful to make sure it's nothing sort of like what you've done before, but still carries your DNA? Yeah, like like that that yeah the DNA is definitely um, critical. I think um, like we we think we think that all of our restaurants in a way are are similar, but they are you know generally speaking they are a different offering. So yeah, there there is you know when you're thinking of the concept, you um, you know you're thinking of of how it can be different to your other other um, other other brands or other. Other eateries, so to speak, um, and for us, I guess the main uh, thing that we think of whenever we're starting a new business is, is basically it's always about the location and the and the, and the site, um, and you know that happened at Cirrus. We were offered a, a site on the water at Barangaroo, and we thought, okay, we'll do a seafood restaurant. You know what I mean? It just made sense. And then we moved Monopole. We saw a site for Monopole in the city, and we thought that would make an amazing, you know, um, you know, wine bar. Bistro, and I thought, well, that's that would be Monopole, and you know, and then yeah, Yellow was a similar thing. We changed that to um, vegetarian and and vegan, and you know, Bentley, where it is now, it's in a sort of a it's in a historic um, you know Art Deco um, building, which is in the CBD, and we thought that could you know we could elevate Bentley to a, to a different experience in that um, in that site, so. Yeah, it comes down to a lot of it does come down to the site, and then how you what you know what you can what you what we look at the market and see what you know you think the market would want, and also <clears throat> what you actually want to do as well. You know what I mean? Like you, you know we could look at a, a thousand different sites and go, wow, that would be a great um, chicken shop or you know. <laughs> a great, a great whatever, and it's like, well, we don't actually want to do that, so you know, we'd like, <clears throat> why would you bother? So, so yeah, that, yeah, no, that, it, yeah, there's, there's a number of factors um, when it when it comes comes down to it for sure. This episode of the Luminaries on Deep in the Weeds is proudly supported by Deputy, helping managers and staff do their best work. At Deputy, we're on a mission. We're on a mission to simplify shift work for every cafe, every restaurant, every bar, every business owner, every dishy, every waiter, every cook, every sous chef. This is the industry that will thrive with Deputy. For more information, go to deputy.com. When was your first steps in hospitality? What, what sort of lured you to a career in it? I guess I just, like so many other people, just fell into it. Um, I was at university doing science, really didn't um, have much motivation for that. Uh, and I was working at the basement actually at the time, uh, which was the, the famous jazz club um, down in uh, Circular Quay. And, you know, I was 18 and I was a, I was a 
I started off as a kitchen hand, I think. Then I went to a glassy. Then I was bartender. And then um, and then that was basically it. And then the, the rest was sort of history. I did um, – I, I quit uni and I started doing um, hospitality management at the Hotel Intercontinental. And then I got placed into um, uh, the Treasury, which was um, a Tony Wilson restaurant at the time. <clears throat> and, you know, I was – yeah, I would have been like 19 and 20 and, yeah, that was – that was it. You know, there was a obviously at the time there was a three hat restaurant, and um, you know, it was a massive um, wine culture within the restaurant. Um, uh, I met um, Andrew Gard there, who's a um, a good mate and uh, you know a very influential wine importer um, and wine identity in Australia as well. And so we we trained together, um, and basically, you know, I got the wine bug, and um, from there. Um, the rest was history. I just went from um, restaurant to restaurant overseas to to London for a little bit, worked for Marco, Pierre White and a few of those people um, and came back to Sydney and um, worked for Mark Best for a few years and then Brent and I met there and when, then we opened Bentley. So it was, yeah, not nothing really, nothing was really ever planned. It just sort of uh, happened and, you know, worked with, I worked with some really great um uh, restaurateurs and chefs and sommeliers and a lot of lot of influential people who helped me sort of shape my my palette and the career. Mark Best, Marco Pierre White, Tony Bilson, all renowned chefs. Who who's been the main influences on on you and your craft? Yeah, I don't know if I would have a. I was thinking about that the other day. I don't know if I have like if there would be one singular person or um, chef or sommelier or anybody who who has had a big a, a, the biggest impact I think it's just like it's a sum of all parts and um, yeah obviously particularly restaurateurs you know influence you in a, in a, in a big way um, but I think yeah I think I think just a, a collective um, collective bunch of people um, has has basically sort of shaped me to who I am today and they're not not even necessarily. Uh, you know, in, within 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 the industry, you know, there's there's people from you know, um, you know, family and friends and um, uh, and and all sorts of you know other other people who um, influence who we are. And um, so I guess I guess to answer, do you just just basically um, basically sort of everybody I've, I've sort of really ever worked for um, has has influenced me. Food and wine experiences um, can be greater than the sum of their parts. Has, has there been any been sort of key moments for you, wine, food and wine experiences that have inspired you and you've um, carried into your career? Um, yeah, like there have been definitely. Um, yeah, absolutely, all the time, and that happens all the time from from every every day. And I, I wouldn't say there was one particular. Um, experience one particular meal that I had, one particular um, tasting menu which had you know amazing wines. I, I think it's it's just a, a collective of different experiences. You know, I remember one time I had a um, had a uh, I think it was a it was a it was a velouté or something like that of a, a smoked salmon broth or something like that, and I um, I was trying to pair it with a um, with a white wine and and I. Ended up pairing, <clears throat> trying just through through in a red burgundy pinot to see what happened, and that you know just it just like worked 
unbelievably well, and that was like a revelation to me. And another time, um, we were at a restaurant and we were having um, having a dish, and it was just like so overseas, and it was actually the dish was awful, but 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 we had a um, we had a white Bordeaux, um, and the saltiness and the white Bordeaux, they just, it was just an absolute. Um, perfect match and you know that so that was you know that was that was like a um you know a mistake which um which 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 worked well and often often those sort of mistakes um you know you actually learn a lot from them uh it's not necessarily about what what um what works with things it's not what not works with things so i think you probably learn just out just as much out about um you know what doesn't work with a particular dish, or when you're trying to match something, as to what you you do when when it actually matches perfectly. So yeah, little moments like that. Um, but you know, not it wasn't it wasn't a moment where I had Krug champagne and caviar, and I thought, oh my god, oh the greatest match in the world. Like you know, that that kind of that kind of stuff. No, doesn't doesn't really happen. It can you know it can be a, it could be a packet of um, packet of Smith's crisps and a. And a, and German Riesling, you know what I mean? Like, or, or you know, the, another one I like is um, is blue cheese and beer. I think it's the greatest combination in the world. Um, so yeah, technology influences everyone's day to day lives these days. What role does it play in the running of the Bentley Group? Oh, it's huge. Um, and you know, back going back to when we first started, yeah, the technology and wasn't really there we, you know the only technology we had was was a computer and a and um and a point of sale really um but you know now now you it's it's everywhere like from you know things like your musical playlist from spotify and and you you know you got your point of sale which talks to your talks to you everything in your venue it talks to your reservation system and it talks to your bank and um you know everything seems to be linked uh, and in terms of technology for, you know, when we first started Bentley, I don't think, I don't think there wasn't even, Facebook may have just started and, you know what I mean? And, and there was no social media. It was, it was all sort of any, any kind of, any kind of, um, review or anything like that was, was always published, um, <clears throat> in print. And, you know, we I remember when, even when I was working at Mark Restaurant, we would wait. If we had a review, we'd go to the go to the pub, we'd go to the courthouse or Kinsella's and wait for the wait for the um, wait for the paper to come out at midnight. And that would be on a Monday night. We'd get the get the review at midnight on Tuesday. And and, and everybody used to do the same thing. Is like and back in the day, if you if you got a good review, it'd last you know be twelve weeks of solid bookings. And these days, you know, you review, you read your review online, basically the minute it's written. And, you know, if it's a great review, you might get two weeks of bookings out of it. And, you know, social media and Instagram and Twitter and, you know, things like that seem to have a, a bit more of, of an influence. It, maybe not a bit more of an influence. I think, I think the, I think the, um, I think, I think the, the media and, and the, and the written media and the, and the online media still have, have a part to play, but it, it's, it's uh, you know there's there's a lot of influence around um, uh, you know um, your Instagram handle and how that affects your business and and, and so on and um, so yeah it's it's changed uh, an enormous degree. It's been a really hard 
year and a half for the restaurant sector, but uh, we're in a situation now where with high vaccination rates, society's going to open up again. What, what's some of the real sort of challenges that the Bentley Group is facing as it looks to open up again? I think um, like everybody in our industry, the staff shortages is a real one. Uh, and, you know, probably sounds a bit boring, but that's actually the truth. You know, we're, we're struggling to get um, to get staff for all our venues. And, in fact, we, you know, we can't really even open them as much as we would like to. So, you know, they're all going to be sort of closed two days a week. And that's not because of us thinking that there is a market for them. It's just that, you know, we just don't have enough staff to um, to cover the hours, and so the sooner we get um, our, our borders reopened, and we, you know we get some international um, you know backpackers back into the country, the better. Because uh, you know it's, yeah, we just don't we just don't have the people to staff hospitality, which is which is kind of sad because it's uh, I, I feel like you know I think people. Sort of the new generation of, of, of twenty year olds are coming through, and they they, they basically don't want to have a have a career in hospitality. And I think you can have a great career in hospitality. And I think that um, yeah, that yeah, I know that a lot of people are trying to address that issue, but it's just yeah, it just it just seems to restaurateurs and people in our in our sector that um, you know yeah, quite often um, yeah, uh, the the younger generation are not really interested in this. Um, this as a career path. This pause that you've had leading up to opening, has that allowed you to look at the, the structure of the business differently and will we see a different type of Bentley group moving forward? Um, I think the first lockdown we'd really, you know, looked internally as to what was working and what wasn't working, what was relevant and what wasn't relevant. Uh, and, you know, it was such a shame when we, when we closed down in June because, you know, we were really firing all the restaurants are busy we'd moved we'd moved monopole into the city it was it was it was going really well yellow was really great um bentley we had you know up the ante a little bit uh everything was everything was you know was was you know going along swimmingly and then it all all came to a grinding halt and um the lockdown went for a lot longer than everyone thought it would so uh we when we reopened you know we we've Reopening with new menus. Obviously, when we were going into into winter back in June, so now we're into sort of spring. Summer's coming on, so the, you know the menu is a lot lighter, a lot fresher. You know, there's just pretty much a hundred percent new um, new menus across the board. All the wines by the glasses are changing. Um, you know, we've been buying a bit of wine and 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 so on. So the wine list will be still pretty robust. Uh, so you see, not, no, no major changes um, at all. So, but we, yeah, we're looking forward to to getting back there. And it feels feels like there's like a lot of energy within the staff, and everyone's itching to get back into it. So, I feel like it's going to be um, a very busy uh, sort of festive season. And then, yeah, no, we'll see what happens next year. But I think I think we'll hopefully we can um, you know we can keep on powering through. You and Brand have spent over a decade working uh, together. Um, it's been an incredible combination. Uh, how, how do you work together? What are the different roles? Does someone look after the accountants, accounts and um, catering? Tell us how you work together. So the structure of the business. So, yeah, I guess we, 
look, we have a central office. We have, you know, two or three people doing accounts. Uh, we have operations manager. We have a reservations manager. We have um, someone doing marketing. Uh, then Brent has um, Aiden, Aiden Stevens, who has been with us for over 10 years. He's the um, exec group chef. So he's Brent's right-hand man. Uh, and and then we have, you know, each of the restaurants have a, um, a restaurant manager an assistant manager and a sommelier. So there's a, there's a sort of a structure and a hierarchy. Uh, but generally speaking, my, myself and Brent, we're, we're in the office. We're working with the accounts team and the operations manager and, you know, the the exec chef. And we we sort of, you know, that that's the that's the sort of the management team. And then um, everyone, everything sort of feeds into that. Uh, and we'll go and do services um, wherever we need to or have to. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then we sort of regroup and, you know, meet uh, the office. You know, we spend a lot of time all with each other, which is, which is good. Um, so, yeah, that's how, that's how it sort of runs. Where do you see um, modern Australian dining? Uh, your, your group has been integral in the shaping of, and direction of, of where uh, contemporary Australian food has been heading for the last decade. Where do you see it right now and where it's going? Look, I think it's great at the moment. I think it's, you know, I think there's a lot of energy um, and there's a lot of great talent within the industry. There's a lot of young chefs coming through. Uh, you know, the borders have been shut, so you haven't been able to sort of go around and see what the rest of the world is doing. But, you you know, you, do you really need to anymore? Like with technology, <laughs> you can sort of, just, you just sort of see what everyone's doing all over the world anyway. So um, with, with Instagram and things like that. So I think... Um, yeah, I think I think it's an exciting time. I think there's a lot of a lot of great raw talent, uh, and you know a lot of lot of sort of people are um, opening really small restaurants and really small wine bars and venues. And uh, yeah, it, it's sort of interesting. You've got the sort of the groups doing things, um, and then you've got the smaller guys doing things as well. So you know, it is. Uh, I think I think now is going to be a really interesting time. And but. Yeah, I think uh, I think I think we're in a good um, good position for sure. You've made an amazing impact and a real success with numerous restaurants. What's the best business advice you can give to young professionals looking to start their first restaurant? Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I guess look, I think I think the for me and Brent was you know work hard and you know try not to try not to have um you know too much of an ego but ba basically back in the day we just we just worked hard worked really hard we we're the hardest working people in the in sort of the restaurants and and you know lead by example um and and you know try and um have an idea of what's happening with the accounting side of the business and the cash flow and and you know you've got to be you've got to be across everything you can't just be a chef who's just you know, across food, you can't be a sommelier who just knows about wine. You know, I like the business part of the of of the business. The business part of the business <laughs> is something that always always um, always intrigued me. And numbers and and um, and you know all those all those all those little bits and pieces. That was something that I you know I was I was always keen on. So that was something that I sort of got into. And you know, yeah, you just you've just got to be across really everything and. If you are opening a new restaurant, and you know, I wouldn't expand too quickly. You know, it's, it, yeah, make sure you get the the first one right first, 
and then if you if you're lucky enough to be in a position to do more, then yeah, then then go for it. But but uh, yeah, it's I think the first the first restaurant you open is is really key. Work hard, um, listen to listen to people around you, um, and you know get good people working for you. Your role has changed so much over the years as the group has grown. Um, but what is it that you love about what you do? Oh, it's um, you know, it's great. You, we're very, I'm, you know, very, very lucky. You know, I work, work, um, basically, on my own boss, I guess. And you can, you know, you we we go into, we've got five beautiful restaurants, beautiful spaces that you go to um, when you work. Um, you know, uh, we've got a, a team of great people who are really enthusiastic. Um, who really motivate and inspire us to, to, to work hard. Um, you know, they're the main things. You know, it's like the, the staff are like your family. You know, there's there's lots of different, um, you know, um, relationships in within the, within the business, and you know, you got you got you got friends, and you know what I mean. It's just you know, you, you, there's there's the the chitter chatter, and you know, when you're working a service, you know, it's. You can be stressful, but you know everyone's working together as a team. It's yeah, no, it's, it's um, it, yeah, really lucky to have um, you know five beautiful venues and, and a bunch of you know great committed people to who to uh, to work with. You'll uh, be opening the restaurant soon, and hopefully things will start to get back on track after COVID. What, what are you most looking forward to? Yeah, just basically, yeah, getting back into the restaurants, you know, serving people, having, you know, seeing people again, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like people in a – I think it's going to be – I think the first week or so is going to be really um, it's quite surreal. Like I think people are going to be like jumping out of their skin and um, so um, – feel so so sort of lucky or to be to be back in back in a restaurant. I, um, I think people will be spending up on wine and, um, you know, I think there will be a real – Real um, fantastic positive energy in the air. Uh, so that's you know I'm looking forward to that, and you know I'm looking forward to seeing all our staff and um, you know our, our regulars and yeah I think I think it's going to be fun. Well, Nick, it's uh, great to hear from you again and and have you on the luminaries on deep in the weeds today. Please keep in touch. Um, good luck, and we'll catch up again soon. No worries. I'd love to. Yeah, and looking forward to seeing everyone back in the restaurants. Can't wait. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.